Does the X in Xbox stand for extreme? And is Xbox short then for extreme box? That's a good question. I mean, you have the PlayStation around then. You have the GameCube. So I guess to be fair, they were running out of options. And they were like, well, it's this big fucking box. Every one of these we're going to make is just going to look like a huge, unnecessarily big box. So I guess we'll throw some flair on there with that extreme. That's all I can really think of. (laughs) It's got to be extreme. That's the only thing that X could stand for. I feel like everyone's just forgotten that the console they know and love is literally just called the extreme box. I had to look it up. I had to know. And I found two answers, I guess. One of them, very boring. The original name was the DirectX Box, which came from a group of Microsoft DirectX developers. Microsoft DirectX is a collection of application programming interfaces. Not super exciting, but I guess makes sense. This one's kind of interesting here. Generation X, or Gen X, refers to the generation born after the baby boom ended. Its last members graduated from high school in 1999. So I guess the people that made it, that's the X? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's even worse then, because then that means that means the real name for our beloved Xbox is just Generation X's box. Yeah, I guess. And I don't, I feel like Gen Y... The millennials are more the ones playing it. Should have been called the millennial box. The M box. M box 360. M box series, series M. M. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three martial arts masters with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson. I'm the Abomination's number one super fan. And I'm Austin Terry, and I wish The Incredible Hulk had never been made. On today's show, we'll be discussing the latest addition to the MCU, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So while the MCU has continued through COVID due to the start of shows on Disney+, it wasn't until Black Widow back in July that we could experience the movies again. It was an origin story that I think probably came too late in the timeline, so now, very fitting, we are once again already talking about another Marvel origin story. This time it is for the lesser-known character Shang-Chi. Since 2008, we've gotten several origin stories from Marvel of ranging quality. I feel like they all also have the exact same formula and plot beats, which certainly gets a little tiring over time. So, the question we have to tackle today is, does Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings follow that formula to a T, or does it stand on its own while introducing us to Marvel's latest hero? Without further ado, Austin, how about you give me your general thoughts on Marvel's origin stories, as well as your expectations going into this entry, and of course, your non-spoiler thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I think it's funny with Marvel and their origin stories, because the MCU is so big now that we kind of forget that their original origin stories really the only like acclaimed hit in phase one was Iron Man. Thor and Captain America came out to mixed reviews. It took Marvel a while to figure out how to do a good origin story. I think the best one is probably the first Guardians of the Galaxy because it's so different from the rest of the MCU as a whole. And going into Shang-Chi, I really was not that interested in another origin story so late into the MCU. It just felt like a step backward when we spent so much time going further and the MCU is so broad and we're playing with time and all these other elements. We brought heroes together. Like we're so deep and so like into this comic bookness of the MCU that it felt weird to be taking a step back and doing another full origin story. Um, So those were kind of my thoughts going into Shang-Chi. And I got to say, I think Marvel found a really great way to tell a compelling origin story that feels like its own original story, but also has its connecting threads to the MCU as a whole. Um, I I really thought in our more recent films, we had found a good way to introduce new characters without needing them to be a whole new, a whole separate origin movie. But with Shang-Chi, I think they made a a case for why this origin story is warranted. Um, All the lore and stuff behind the character was super interesting in the movie. And I just thought they did a fantastic job of, of making me care about this brand new character and then also setting things up for me to be excited to see him interact with the rest of our Avengers still active today. Yeah, I think I'm with you there for the most part. I feel like I was a little bit trepidatious just because the Marvel, particularly their origin stories, like we said, are a little bit run of the mill, pretty standard Not much different between them. I agree, Guardians 1 is definitely a highlight. But as the MCU has gone on, I've actually liked a lot of their new origin stories less. 
Like whenever they randomly did Ant-Man and then Doctor Strange in phases two and three, it was almost like the worst of both worlds because it didn't really connect at all to the greater MCU and the stories they chose to tell, I just thought were kind of boring. And I was like, well, why do I care about these? And we've gotten so used to the other like Avengers popping up that with movies taking a step back and just focusing on one character, it almost feels like lesser than than the broader Avengers stories because we don't get to see all the heroes at once. We've gotten so used to that. Right, right. And so I was kind of nervous going into this one. I was like, now we're another phase into the MCU Maybe it'll work because we've gotten Avengers Endgame and that was such a like there was so much finality to that. So maybe we do need some more origin stories to set us up for the future. And I'm with you. I think this movie pretty much knocked it out of the park with everything it was trying to do. Being a character piece, one exploring the relationship between a hero and a villain, a father's son story, just a badass martial arts action movie. Um, And on top of that, the characters and the story they chose to tell in contrast to those other movies they mentioned, I thought was super interesting and engaging in this one. So, yeah, my non-spoiler thoughts. Big hit. Really love Shang-Chi way more than I ever thought I would. It was an absolute blast. I think one of my favorite things, too, about Shang-Chi is it feels so different from the rest of the MCU, too. Um, Especially with with Shang-Chi being our first Asian Avenger to get his own movie and and really step into joining the rest of the MCU. I really like how how deep they delve into like the Chinese lore and legends behind the character and they kind of put it all on screen. It really gave this movie a different feel from what we're used to from Marvel and made it feel pretty unique, I thought, as well. Yeah, it was much needed. It took us so long to get female-led movies, to get something like Black Panther with a black lead. So just the fact that we're getting diversity among characters finally is much needed. Kind of getting an origin, too, is super cool because obviously it lets us see the background of these characters and the different upbringing they had in contrast to our other MCU characters. So at this point, this many years into the MCU, getting stories like this that don't focus on white characters fronts, I think, is super important because it's just much needed voices and the stories they tell need to be heard, I think. Yeah, and we're going to delve into spoiler stuff in a little bit here, but just keeping things non-spoiler for right now, what were your thoughts on, you know, the action, the comedy, like all the stuff Marvel is known for is still, of course, in this movie. Aquafina's character, I think, is really the main comedic aspect of the film. Like, the action comedy is such a staple of the MCU, and this movie is still very much an action comedy, while it is still different. We still do have those elements, so how did all that work for you? Yeah, it definitely worked for me. I think where you could feel the Marvel formula actually did this movie a service because it felt like it was doing it better than most of the MCU movies do. Like you said, I mean, the action in this movie is, man, it's just top tier Marvel. I think it's my favorite action choreography we've gotten up until this point. And the way they handle levity, it certainly wasn't as funny as a lot of Marvel movies, but I appreciated that it wasn't trying to be. Like you said, Aquafina for the most part, is kind of your source of levity in this movie, and I thought she did a great job. I love the relationship between Katie, her character, as well as Shang-Chi, so that was awesome. And then just getting more in-depth characters than we're used to as well was super impressive. Obviously, we're going to be spending a good amount of time in our spoiler section talking about Tony Leung as Wen Wu, Shang-Chi's father. I thought he was—I think he probably stole the show for me. I thought his performance was just— out of control, so good. That relationship they set up was genuinely fascinating. Definitely not a normal father-son type of bond that we see, not only in the MCU, but just movies in general in this kind of action world. So anytime it felt like that standard action comedy, like you said, that Marvel tends to do, I thought this one did the action better. And the way they handled levity, while not as prevalent, was way more clever and more fun to see with better payoff. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Wen Wu as well, because None of the Marvel origin movies have a strong villain that I can think of off the top of my head. And Wen Wu is a great villain in this film. There's elements when the movie wraps up that uh, falters a little bit, I think, with this villain. But overall, for this being a Marvel villain, that's not Thanos. Really engaging, really fun performance and really sinister at times, too. And I love the way he plays off of Shang-Chi. And and that father-son relationship, like you said, is so fascinating on screen. Yeah, so good. So good. And two, like you mentioned with the action, this hand-to-hand martial arts skill set is something that I didn't realize we haven't really had a whole lot of a character with this skill set in the MCU. So I did like that the action also felt new and fresh with this one. And I think that's the best thing I can say about this Marvel movie is it does feel so new, so different, and really feels just like a a breath of fresh air for the MCU um, to just like surprise you with some new elements that they can play around with. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I think they really just nailed it with that action. I think it's probably Captain America, the Winter Soldier, maybe. That one that kind of had a born feel was probably the last time we got this much hand-to-hand. But it's a different beast here where it's more martial arts focused and they really just went all out with the choreography. Simi Liu, who plays Shang-Chi, clearly was doing a lot of his own stunts as well. And yeah, I just thought it was super cool. And I was expecting really cool martial arts, but I was not expecting to see the characters move in the way they did. They're so agile, which led to so many cool set pieces with the action, way different than I thought it was going to be. But I feel like, honestly, the action just got better as the movie went on. I totally agree with that. I think also the visuals got better as the movie went yeah. on. There are some fantastical elements um, in this movie. I don't want to spoil anything yet, but the visuals get super impressive. Um, and, and the movie is the first one I've seen in theaters this year that was like, while I was sitting there, I was like, wow, I'm really glad I saw this in theaters because the visuals look so well on the big screen. Yeah, that's a great point because whenever we did our Black Widow review, I know I liked the movie. If I recall, I think you thought it was pretty good. But we did kind of have differing opinions because Keith and I saw it in theaters and you had seen it on Disney Plus and you kind of had a great point. You were like, I enjoyed the movie, but, you know, I'm actually OK with the, with the fact that I watch on Disney Plus. Whereas this one, I think if they had done the premiere Disney Plus access, we probably wouldn't have gotten as much out of it. I think we still would have thought it was a great film. But I feel like we would have been actually kind of disappointed the fact that we didn't see it on a big screen because Especially when we get to that third act, I'm, I'm with you. This movie really went way more into the visuals than I thought. I'm not saying it's like a shitty CGI fest. It was like actually earned, really exciting, and way bigger action than I thought it was going to be. Well, and Matt, we should just mention it. You and I did get to reunite this weekend. We did. See this movie together. This is the first uh, topic we've done for the podcast that you and I have seen together. So that was an exciting element, too, for this weekend. Of course, we were hoping that Keith, our co-host, would be there as well. He could not make this episode, but no need to fear. Keith will be back next week, and whenever he does see Shang-Chi, he will give us his thoughts. But it was fun, yeah. You and me got to see this one together. It was super fun as well, because we knew we had, to, we had a podcast to record as well. So felt good seeing this one. It just felt right having the Arnies back together. It did. It definitely did. Uh, should we get into some spoiler stuff? I think we should. It sounds like Austin and I both would definitely recommend you go see this movie, so make sure you do that, because now it is officially time for our spoiler section. So if you have not seen Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, this is your last chance to head on out, because we're about to break everything down. Okay, so let's get into it, Matt. Our general logline for Shang-Chi is, Shang-Chi, the master of unarmed weapons-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past and his father after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. That's right, Austin. That's right. But who is Shang-Chi, you ask? And who is his father? Let's get into it. It's time for our cast and crew breakdown. This one was directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, known for his three Brie Larson collaborations, Short Term 12, The Glass Castle, and Just Mercy. It was written by Cretton as well, along with his writing partner, Andrew Lanham and Dave Callahan. Callahan is actually known for The Expendables, Ant-Man, Wonder Woman 1984, Mortal Kombat, and the upcoming Spider-Verse sequel. This was based on the Marvel Comics character Shang-Chi, created by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. And then the score was composed by Joel P. West, who also, I noticed, scored Cretton's other four films. So it's cool that he brought along his writing partner and his kind of general musical composer. So they all work together for this big budget action film that's a very uh zach snyder-esque move he likes to Mm. keep his crew together for all of his films yeah so that was super cool i was happy to see that it was nice that they went from some more lower budget indies and then he brought the team along for the big ones that was exciting and now for our cast we have simi lu as shang chi aquafina as katie meng erzong as shu shiling fala chen as ying li florian montanu as razor fist what a name Benedict Wong, <laughs> of course, returns as Wong, with Michelle Yeoh as Ying Nan. Sir Ben Kingsley makes a return as Trevor Slattery, a.k.a. the fake Mandarin from Iron Man 3, and Tony Leung as Shu Wen Wu, the leader of the Ten Rings and the inspiration for the Mandarin. And we don't usually make notes of this, but I thought this was kind of a special case. So Leung, I noticed, is widely considered the best native Hong Kong actor of his generation and undoubtedly one of the most successful and widely acclaimed Hong Kong actors of all time. So this was his first like 
American-made movie that he had been in and the first movie that I think he fully spoke English in. He was already Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he was already fluent in English, but basically for people like us and like an American audiences seeing him for the first time, I just thought it was cool to note that he is like one of the most famous uh, people in the world. It's just maybe in our neck of the woods, not as much, but just wanted to call that out because going to his Wikipedia page, I was like, oh, wow. Like I hadn't really experienced a lot of his work, but he is like one of the legends. That's awesome. And he was so great as the villain. Like, I hope we get to see him in more global movie products like this one. Yeah, that'd be super cool. And definitely kind of going the other way. I'm honestly, after being such a fan of him in this, I want to seek out some of his other maybe really well-reviewed movies in um, Hong Kong or wherever it may be, just to get some more of him because he was great. Um, Yeah. So there we go. That's our cast and crew. So as always, Austin, let's do some highlights. So did you have anybody you wanted to call out specifically, positive or negative? Yeah, I think my main one is definitely uh, the grunts from Emil Blonsky as the abomination. Oh, Tim Roth, back at it. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, though, my my main highlight, I think, um, I think I got to go with Aquafina as mm. Katie. Okay. Her every one of her jokes hit for me in this movie. Uh, not all Marvel jokes tend to hit for me the majority of the time, but all of hers did. Her just comedic timing is so great. And she kind of plays this similar character in, in everything she does, but it works for her. And she hasn't fully like Ryan Reynolds Deadpooled it yet. Like it still feels fresh and new. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing her in this one. Yeah, I thought she was great. And I thought there was more, um, I don't know, not dramatic beats necessarily, but just more good, serious, emotional and real moments from her in this movie. And instead of just in a lot of her movies, just giving her jokes to say, if anybody saw The Farewell, there are some more emotional moments with her character in this one. So it kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, she was super good. I, I like that you called that out because the character of Katie isn't just here to make jokes. Like there is an actual story with this character. She has an arc in the film. Like I think they did a great job of fleshing her out and, and giving her somebody to root for besides uh, Shang-Chi. Yeah. And it's funny to think about other Marvel origin movies, but think about how we were kind of disappointed whenever rewatching. Um, the first Iron Man, we were like, I really like Tony and Rhodey's relationship. It's a shame that it's really not given that much screen time. Think about the first Captain America, really not much of Stephen Bucky on screen. Thor, Thor and his whole gang from home, not a lot of them. I like that this one they set up at the get go. Shang-Chi and Katie are best friends and they go on this entire ride together. So it felt like we actually got to know their relationship. And whenever things got a little crazy and their dynamic had to change and they had to grow together and kind of uncover the truth together. It was like we actually saw them overcome obstacles, which we do not get in the MCU like ever. Yeah. And their friendship was we don't get a whole lot of like just pure friendships, too, I feel like in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And their friendship was awesome and really relatable. Uh, I know we're going to talk about like the future of the MCU later on, but I have seen some theories that Katie might be popping up in the Hawkeye show. Oh, okay. Okay, I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. Well, if we're going to talk about Katie, like we just said, we got to talk about her other half, her best friend, Shang-Chi. I thought Simi Liu was awesome. Um, I'd seen him in Kim's... So good. Yeah, I'd seen him in Kim's Convenience, the show on Netflix, which I thought he was great in. Definitely a different role, more comedic. But yeah, I thought he was great. Such a great choice for the lead here. He knocked it out of the park. I mean, they put a lot on his shoulders for somebody that had mostly done side characters in the past but he knocked it out of the park both in the funny moments both in the serious moments and in the action like we said earlier i mean he's clearly doing a lot of this stuff and it was awesome like he just nailed all aspects of the character for me yeah he truly does carry this film especially with being a brand new marvel character to to center around somebody that i this i had never heard of this character um i think like a lesser known character within the marvel comics as a whole yeah just a great job carrying this film the action that he has is, is awesome. He's charming. He's charismatic. He has some really great funny moments as well. Um, yeah, just all aspects of this film. I thought Simu Lee was awesome. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. And we already kind of talked about it, but just to give a little bit more thoughts before we move on, Tony Young as Wen Wu, I thought the way they did the villain in this movie was so interesting because they do the whole thing where it's like, in his past, really bad guy. But then... There was this period where he was a good guy whenever he was being a parent to Shang-Chi and his sister. Um, and I was like, OK, that's cool. And then whenever the mother dies, he kind of feels like there's some guilt on him. So then he reverts back to his old self, kind of starts doing bad things again. But then when Shang-Chi comes back, it's like, 
well, wait, he does genuinely love his son. And Shang-Chi is like, he loves him too. There are conflicted feelings there. So it's this really interesting dynamic that I thought uh, Tony Leung did great because when he's supposed to be scary, he's pretty terrifying. Um, and then when he's supposed to be loving, it's like you actually do believe it. And you do see the conflict in him when he's trying to go on this mission to save his wife that he thinks might be alive. So, yeah, I just thought all elements of that villainy while also being like a genuine father were super cool. And Tony Leung did a great job there as well. Yeah, those elements are really cool. And, and Tony Leung does give a great performance. I think they set this character up, though, to be this like conqueror for a millennia. Yeah. And so having that mixed with the like, father moments did feel a bit weird at times and sure. did like I think lend us some plot holes with that character's story but Tony Leung in the actual role was fantastic yeah we'll definitely get into some of the actual character and history stuff that will be interesting to talk about but I agree with you there and before we move on uh Manger Zhang as Xu Shiling I didn't even know that he had a sister like from the trailers so mm. that was a nice surprise like starting yeah. the film um no and they kind of it's it's kind of like a team-up movie which was fun um, I know you and I were talking about it. We also saw on IMDb that this is Manga Zhang's like first movie, uh, like first credited movie on IMDb, and she was awesome. Like mm-hmm. you could not tell at all that this was her first movie. She is a total badass in this film, and at the end of the film, when she takes over the Ten Rings, she looks pretty intimidating. So like I, all aspects of that character, I thought were great too, and pretty clear she was doing her own stunts as well. Yeah, she was awesome. Loved that character. Loved that arc. And you're right. I, I mean, she was in the trailers, but there was no inclination that this was Shang-Chi's sister. So totally with you there. That was a really, really fun surprise. And I'm also glad, kind of like um, Aquafina as Katie, they easily could have introduced her in the uh, fight club and have her do that fun action sequence while they're fighting outside the building. But then just have her go, like Shang-Chi be like, I got to go see dad. And she's like, well, you know, screw you. And then that's it. Like, that's all we see of her. And then maybe bring her back in a post credit scene. But I love that. Then she also came along for the ride. So we actually got to see these characters kind of reform their bond as siblings that had been broken. So another great relationship at the center of this movie. And another great job actually fleshing out her backstory in addition to Shang-Chi's. It very could have easily been when they do the flashbacks that it's just Shang-Chi's story, but including Xu Shai-Ling's story as well, I thought was a really fun element and did make the flashbacks feel like a little bit different each time we did flashback. Like the flashbacks, I didn't feel like got stale, which was nice. Yeah, the flashbacks are really good. We're going to get into that too. But yeah. So with that, guys, we've had tons of positive to say about the cast and the crew, so let's just get into it. Let's get into our actual discussion. Austin and I each made some notes during the movie of things that we definitely wanted to talk about, so it's time to get started. I'll go ahead and start us off with kind of a general one here, but it's always good to have a nice starting point. I feel like the exciting thing about this movie is how it combines a brand new character, story, martial arts action, and cool set pieces into one big, just exciting project. It definitely feels different from other Marvel projects in that sense, but I just wanted to start us off. How do we feel this one flowed together? Like, that's a bunch of areas I just mentioned that this movie is trying to cover. Did it feel cohesive? Were there any holes in there? I know, Austin, you mentioned that. So what do you think? Did it kind of nail all those aspects? I don't know if it nailed everything. I do think overall it is a cohesive story. Uh, When we do start with flashbacks, I was worried at the beginning that oh, this is going to get really old, like taking away from our story every time. But every time we did flash back, I was like excited to learn something new about Shang-Chi's childhood. So I'm glad that they found a way to keep those interesting just for myself. I think the only part where they faltered, and it's kind of what I mentioned, is Wenwu's story is really interesting, but juxtaposing the conqueror that is like has been all-powerful and has been around since the medieval ages with the father figure didn't always hit for me. And then also, I think in the third act, when we actually go to Talo... That was cool, and the visuals there are awesome, but I felt like we do lose some momentum once we actually like end up in Talo. Like it becomes like a weird, like medieval fight, um, and it just felt weird, like coming from the modern day, and then like these people have been around forever, but they're still using spears and like bow and arrows. Like it felt like they were trying to make like another Wakanda, and just Talo wasn't as interesting as Wakanda is to go to. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I feel like. Uh, the visuals in that aspect and that department were just out of control, good, loved it. But I'm also with you. That kind of feels like the start of the third act when we get there. Uh, the movie itself is two hours and 12 minutes, and it definitely feels like it. And it does feel like a little bit 
of grinding to a halt once Shang-Chi and the crew get to Talo, and we know we're on a countdown for when Wenwu arrives, and in the meantime, everybody's kind of doing like a big training montage, we meet Michelle Yeoh's character, and it's all awesome, great content, but it does feel like, okay, I'm definitely starting to feel the length at this point, and it's not until the action then starts where it's like, okay, it's picking up again, but definitely kind of some weird pacing stuff, I'm with you there, once we get to Talo. It is funny, too, because when you juxtapose it against Wakanda, like Wakanda, it, they do the exact same thing. These people fight with medieval weapons and stuff, but they have vibranium. And then it's the exact same thing in Talo. They're fighting oh, yeah. with spears and stuff, but they have dragon scales. So mm. it, it, that was the only part where I was like, this does feel a bit samey. Uh, that was like the only aspect of this movie where I was like, eh, this doesn't feel that new. But a- everything else I thought was really great. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm also with you, what you mentioned earlier with Wenwu as a character and kind of the motivations. I thought, yeah, having him as a conqueror is one thing because it's like he was, you know, over a thousand years old. So he was just conquering. I guess people did that. Um, But then whenever it's like it gets more to present day, they have a line where they acknowledge and then he conquered everything. And I was like, okay. And so then the Ten Rings were formed and we've seen them a little bit in like the first Iron Man movie with kidnapping Tony Stark. In Ant-Man, they try and purchase the Yellow Jacket armor to like make an army out of it this is why you really are our marvel historian because i i never remember any of these elements of these old films <laughs> or older films yeah so so i thought it was strange that they didn't acknowledge that in this movie they did have one kind of throwaway line when uh when Wu was talking about the fake mandarin he was like do you remember that fake mandarin that kind of took my identity and ran with it and like made a mockery of it and then he tried to take down iron man so they did acknowledge that and of course then trevor slattery comes into play which we'll get into later but I am with you. It does get a little bit confusing whenever you think about, so what was he doing in like the present day? It was like he was a conqueror for a while, and then did he just become like the head of a terrorist group, and he was just sending mercenaries out to do whatever to get more power, as they put it in the movie? I guess. And then you're right. Then like at one point, he just stops that altogether to be a dad, and it's like, oh, he was a good dad. But then it's like, that, that is a, a pretty big change that's kind of hard to reconcile at times. It is. It is- a pretty big like recurring issue with a lot of our like Marvel origin villains where it's like they have some really cool elements and then the second you try to look like below the surface it's like well it just like always lends to more questions and then they get like kind of less interesting yeah I honestly think maybe they just showed us a little bit too much because if you think about the concept of it when Wu just having him be like a bad guy having him be a killer and then just stumbles across this ancient you know, land of Talo meets a woman, they fall in love while he's trying to like learn this new martial art, but then ends up falling in love. And it's like, oh, how do I deal with that? And then if that point, he kind of gives up his darker ways to be a family man, that would have been a bit more believable. And then once she dies and he kind of, you know, goes a little bit crazy and wants revenge, that would have made a bit more sense as opposed to him being this thousands and thousands of year old conqueror that then became the head of a terrorist group and then became a father. It's like, if they had just like said, he's a really bad guy, he's a killer, and then he's the head of this like mercenary group or something, maybe that would have been an easier pill to swallow. Um, I don't know. And they do try to answer the question, like, what was Wenbu doing for these past 10 years that Shang-Chi ran away? And it's like, he he does answer the question. He's like, I was into my research on Tao Lo. But then the only issue with that is, well, then what was your organization up to? And they don't answer that question, which is where it's like, that's where I'm with you. It does get very confusing. Yeah, I I feel like for the most part, that's really the only character where this is an issue, which is probably why we are latching so much onto it, because there are some definite questions that we didn't get answered. But just as a whole, going back to the original question, like, how does the action like how does this crazy action, these fun characters, the story itself, how does that all feels one cohesive unit? I feel like except for the stuff we just mentioned, I, I would say it's awesome. I love how it all like flows together. I think they did a great job of managing all those different elements. This is our first like true origin movie since Captain Marvel in 2019. How does this one stack up for kind of all of our other MCU origins for you? I know this one's been getting a lot of praise about Marvel finally figured out how to do an origin movie. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, and and how did they how did they do overall for you with this being an origin movie? Yeah, I mean, I know it might be a big statement. And of course, I have to see the movie again um, once it comes out to kind of make sure I still feel the same way. But Honestly, thinking about all the origin movies, I know you mentioned Guardians is your favorite. Guardians might be my number two. I think this might be my favorite MCU origin movie. And 
you really phrased that question in a good way because it's making me think of why. And I think ultimately what it is, is over the years they've tried to do, they started so basic with Iron Man, with that formula. And then it kind of evolved a little bit over time. And then by the time you get to Captain Marvel, it's like, well, we have to do something new. And the big gimmick of that movie was like, we're going to introduce you to Captain Marvel as an already established character. And then we'll tell kind of the background just through extended flashbacks. So, and then you like we kind of get like a character dynamic with her friend and all the other MCU origin movies kind of like try and give you like a strong villain, maybe like one strong like friendship that they have. Um, and I really liked how this one felt like the most evolved form of everything I just mentioned combined into one. Like they do introduce you to Shang-Chi and he's already established. He's already trying to live his own life away from that past. But then they do have tons of flashbacks, like you mentioned, that actually feel purposeful. I mean, and there are quite a few of them. And I feel like they were placed in the right moments to kind of have the right emotional response and to make us like experience the twists along with the characters. Like whenever later in the movie Shang-Chi's telling Katie like what really happened to his sister and like the person that killed his mom, like Katie's hearing that for the first time and so are we. So they're really putting in the information, the flashbacks at the right time. I already talked about how much I love Shang-Chi and Katie's relationship. So the whole friendship dynamic was 10 out of 10, super good. So yeah, like everything I've talked about that the MCU movies do in their origin stories, whether it be flashbacks, introducing you to these crazy fun like side characters and friends to have like goofy moments, like this one just did it my favorite way, I think. So I, th- I thought it was great in comparison. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you and agree with everything you said. I think the only thing I'll add to that is just the main reason I was like apprehensive coming into this movie is I have seen this the classic superhero story so many times at this point with the MCU and the DC movies where it's like, Guy has powers. Guy doesn't know how to use powers. Guy has to become a hero. Guy saves the day. He's a hero now. Like, I was not excited to see that formula again. And they didn't do it at all in this movie, which I really liked. Like you said, he's already established. He already has his powers. He knows how to fight. He doesn't really have any questions or qualms about, like, taking over and stepping into the superhero role. It's more of just he wanted to break away and create his own life. And so they found, like, a new way to tell the origin story in this one. And I think that was what I really liked the most about this is I was totally coming in expecting the typical, like, I'm going to watch Shang-Chi get his powers and, and become a superhero. And at, at its granular level, that's what this movie is. But the way they chose to actually take that path is completely different than anything we've done in our MC origins before. And so I really appreciated that aspect of the film. Yeah, you're right. It's not like it's breaking the mold to like some insane degree. It's just the little tweaks and changes it makes along the way are super cool. Like another Captain Marvel one, like that one introduces Carol Danvers as an established character, but she has amnesia. So then they use flashbacks to explain what really happened. And in this one, it feels more like Shang-Chi is trying to repress his past. He knows what happened. He remembers it. But that's another fun way they bring in the flashbacks that make you, the audience, actually interested in what's happening. And another thing that I think is really underrated, and you kind of hinted at it a little bit, is... Shang-Chi, who he was in the past, is a really interesting character, but then him kind of in the present as this guy just trying to live his own life, he's kind of a goofball, just having a good time, like, that's a really fun, charismatic, engaging character in his own right. So then when you get to this bus sequence where he needs to defend himself and his pendant, which is like the last thing he has of his mother, that's the first time we see him in action. And it's like, whoa, like Katie, the character is like, who are you? What's happening? And with the audience, like there was I was like gasping. I was like, yeah, like there's a couple of really fun moments in that first action sequence on the bus where it's like, yeah, we're like uncovering details about this character in real time. But Shang-Chi is always super interesting, whether it's the past or present, which also gives credence to the great use of flashbacks. So another reason why I thought this one did a better job in comparison to a lot of other Marvel outings. Yeah, I think that bus scene might be my favorite action scene in the movie. Oh, Um, And I also just kind of even add on further to that point is I like the fact that Shang-Chi is the one explaining the world to Katie and to the audience as opposed to like, oh, no, I discovered my powers. And then like, Tony Stark has to come in and explain the world of Marvel to Shang-Chi. Like, I was not looking forward to watching a new character step into the MCU, not be aware of anything, and have to learn it all again. Like, I didn't want to do that as an audience member. And so I was glad that they kind of flipped that dynamic on his head. And it's like, yeah, Shang-Chi knows all about this stuff. He knows about the powers. He knows about his father's organization. And he just doesn't want anything to do with it. And then he's forced to go back into it. 
and then explain it to his friend Katie, who would get sucked into this adventure. And so I just thought that was a really unique way to do that instead of our hero having to learn about all this stuff for the first time, like we've seen so many times in the past. Yep. Just another great little change. So, I mean, I know there's so, I mean, there's the first Iron Man, Hulk, all the Thor, Cap movies, Guardians. There's so many origin movies. And I think this is such a great sign for the future because, like I said, going into this one, I was a little bit trepidatious. Like, can we still do Marvel origin stories and make them really cool, feel fresh and exciting and actually interesting? What's going to happen? Like, Will I have any surprises because I've seen all these other movies? So I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for new characters to be introduced. I'm excited for brand new origin stories in the next like 10 years of Marvel because I know they can still do it and make me feel new and exciting things. So Shang-Chi was just a great kind of barometer of that as well. I do think that we have found good ways to introduce new characters in other people's movies and not need an origin movie for them. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm in the camp where like, I want an origin story for every character now. Like I do like how, like we were able to introduce Tom Holland, Spider-Man, which I know is easy because everybody knows about Spider-Man, but we were able to introduce that character to the MCU and he didn't need to go then have an origin story. Like I like that we've been able to do that, like kind of that side of the coin as well. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad that they didn't introduce Shang-Chi in a different one first because it felt very purposeful to have him have his own origin story because Like you said, there was a way bigger world introduced in this movie than I think either of us anticipated. Like once we get to Talo and the fantasy aspects and just how big Shang-Chi's history is and that lineage and what he's connected to, it did feel like we needed a full movie to kind of really get into that and understand what all this is about. So I did appreciate that. And just another thing on the list of things I'm excited to see in the future develop even more is the greater world of Shang-Chi. And seeing other MCU characters come into that in the future is going to be super cool. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about Shang-Chi at this point. It sounds like we're very high on him as a character and, of course, Simi Liu's portrayal. But I just wanted to do a quick little break right here. Are there any other notes that we wanted to throw out there, Austin, about Shang-Chi as a character in general? Anything else that you liked? Any like scenes in particular that stood out to you? Anything about his character that you thought was a highlight, positive or negative? The biggest positive I think I can give, and, it, and it's really a credit to, to Simi Liu's performance, is even though Shang-Chi has had this like really brutal childhood, he's a trained killer from like age 11, like he should be kind of a darker character, but the way Simi Liu portrays him, he almost feels innocent in a way, even though he can fight very well, like the innocence that they, that he brings to the portrayal, I found really like engaging and just made him so much easier to root for in this movie. Yeah. And he felt fear as well. Like seeing him come back into that world, he was afraid of his dad. He was afraid of how far he might have to go in order to put a stop to it. And having characters comment on that was super interesting, both villains and heroes kind of saying, you need to accept like all parts of you, the good and the bad, your mother and your father in order to kind of become who you can be. So you're right. I thought the innocence there was a really good element to that character that they could have just like once that bus action sequence happens, they could have just had him go, "Okay, I'm not who I said I am. Here's who I am. And then just like go forward. But There's like a gradual process to him actually kind of fully embracing his, I guess, just history and who he can be. And like whenever he does get the rings eventually, like it feels so earned and so exciting. And like it's almost like a Mjolnir moment whenever Kat picks up the hammer. It's like you just know he can do that whenever Shang-Chi is able to take the rings from his father. It's like, yeah, because he deserves it. Like he fully accepted everything. And it's so cool. Do you think he should have the rings longer in this movie, though? Because we really only get maybe five minutes of him using the rings? I mean, yeah, it, it would have been awesome to get more. I, I don't think I would put that in like my list of negatives for the movie because I looked at it as more, wow, like once he gets them, they do such great choreography and action with it that it was more of like I was left with a good, can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see him in a sequel or his next project, like using these all the time. So I definitely did want more because it was awesome. I looked at it as more as like a tease, I guess. How did you feel about the way they actually like physically show you how the rings work in this movie, like the way they kind of coalesce around the user 
and like if if the rings are lifting you up, you see them like act, like physically stepping on the rings when they're punching Ugh. somebody. They show you the rings like smacking into people. What do you think about all that? The the biggest negative and the positive for the rings is they are kind of a cop out. They can just do anything, but I love it. Yeah, I love that's it. True. I thought it was so <laughs> cool. It's like they can just like pack a crazy punch they can be almost like a god of war blades of chaos type thing where you swing them around like chains you can use them can as be like a dragon ball z blast <laughs> yeah. apparently you can do a jet pack where you shoot them into the ground and then fly into the air you can do anything with them but every single thing they did was so cool to see so cool to see the character do and then visually it was always awesome this is also probably a good spot because since we kind of um wanted to talk more about shang chi there I really liked how his sister Shai Ling is also integrated into the flashbacks later on, and we find out how she was abandoned by Shang-Chi, and she had to teach herself how to do this because the women weren't allowed to kind of take part in the training. So watching her acquire her weapon, that rope dart, was so cool. Seeing her teach herself as a kid and then use it like an absolute badass in the present was awesome. So before I moved on, was there anything specifically we wanted to talk about the sister? Because I know both you and I were pleasantly surprised that she was actually in the movie way more than we thought, both in action scenes and just like scenes in general. Like she's just along for the ride. She becomes part of the trio. The thing I like the most is that she has her own relationship with Wen Wu. And she's got her own story to tell. It's not the same dynamics that Shang-Chi has because she wasn't allowed to train with the guys. So she has kind of her own resentment and, and reasons for not wanting to be around her father. She has her own reasons for going out and building her own empire, as she puts it. So I did like that she does feel like a totally separate character. She's not a sidekick in the movie at all. Like she definitely has her own story. Um, and I thought they did a great job of telling it in this film in addition to Shang-Chi. Yeah, such a honestly, it might be one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's just not only the surprise factor of the sister's introduction, but then how much Shyling's in the film and having her own relationship and goal, and like getting her own plane of action during the final fight scene that we'll talk about in a little bit was also cool. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure we talked about her because she was awesome. So how did you feel about the way the movie implements like legends and lore and myths and myths into the storytelling? I think the biggest thing is is probably the Ten Rings, uh, Tao Lo, and then uh, Wen Wu's like backstory and and his role as a conqueror throughout history. So what what do you think about just how they uh, unfurl these these various story aspects for you in the film? Yeah, so tons of great things to talk about here. Just to talk about the titular Ten Rings for a second. Um, both, I guess, both the organization and the actual objects themselves, it's it's weirdly hit or miss because for an over two hour movie that has the subtitle and the legend of the Ten Rings. You don't get the legend. There's no legend around the physical rings, really. Like there's there's not like there's like a scroll that gets unfurled and it's like, here's these rings. Like it's it's kind of just something his dad has. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like. I was hoping for more and the entire movie you and I were talking after we watched it. I was like, I have so I have like more questions go like now that I've seen the movie about the organization of the Ten Rings than I did going into it. Like so many like questions about what do they actually do? Like, I have no idea. Um, And it's disappointing that after seeing this movie, I have less of an idea. And then as for the rings themselves, like you mentioned, I assumed we'd get kind of like this big reveal as to what they were, maybe their origin, just how they work, where they're from, how the user kind of can fully um, accept them as their own and become worthy. Um, But then on the weird flip side, it's like, while it didn't work in the context of this movie, like, well, all the time, I got to say, when that post-credit scene came up and kind of teased the future of what they actually are, I was like, that's really cool, and I can't wait to find that out in the future. I just wish we could have gotten more in this movie because I feel like it would have been a bit more of like a wholly satisfying experience. Yeah, it's funny because this movie probably should have just been called Shang-Chi. Yeah. And then with that post-credit scene, the sequel could have just been called The Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. So it seems like <laughs> the sequel is going to tell us that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. It honestly just feels like they wanted to put in a subtitle that had a little bit of a tie to past MCU movies just because Shang-Chi was a very unknown character. But you're right. It, whenever it ended, I was like, oh, now we're going to find out about the legend of the Ten Rings. So that's a pretty good point. What, so right now, Austin, what's your pitch for the title of the sequel since they can't use that now? Shang-Chi, the actual, for real this time, <laughs> legend of the Ten Rings. 
I think they should call it Shang-Chi, How I Met Your Ten Rings. <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> Wen Wu narrating how he found the Ten Rings and then how uh, Neil Patrick Harris comes into play at one point, if I recall. <laughs> I, I also like the idea of uh of Shang Chi Fifty First Rings. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that, and it's also another double entendre because the final action scenes introduce forty more rings, and we get to see even bigger action sequences where he's four times the rings. I mean, it's going to be incredible. At some point, he's just going to merge into a big ring. Well, that's the third film. Yeah, it's it's called Shang Chi, the really big ring. <laughs> It's actually it's it's also it's the third Shang Chi film and like the fourth Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie. Honey, oh, I became wow. a ring. <laughs> so let's kind of get into the other big thing here because we we spent a good amount of time talking about Wen Wu and his backstory, but let's talk about Tao Lo. Uh, so what do you think about how this gets implemented? I think this portion of the movie is where you can really feel the Marvel formula most active. Uh, like this third act really does kind of play out as ex- like exactly as how you would expect it to. Uh, Shang Chi is going to save the day, uh, get their and get the rings from his father. So, uh, what were your thoughts on kind of how they explain the legend of Tao Lo to you, and then how did you feel about the actual Tao Lo sequence in the film? I thought the sequence was great. I love the sequence. I love that we had a introduction, or I guess I should say a reintroduction to Trevor Slattery uh, from Iron Man Three, of course, Ben Kingsley. So having him along for the ride to kind of give us a little bit of information because he has that creature that kind of informs you about Talo before we actually get there. And then having him kind of be like, wow, this was crazy. It was a fun audience kind of a feel moment that we feel along with him. The playing dead moment was great oh, with that character. So great. The way you phrase that, I love the sequence in Talo, love the third act, but the way things were explained is I think in particular, it made it feel a little bit long and kind of helped drag the movie a little bit down pacing wise just kind of the exposition because we're so late into the movie that it feels a little bit weird getting that much exposition at once but that being said everything that they were saying i thought was really interesting and cool and i was excited to see it pay off which it did whenever they're talking about we can't let wen wu break down that door that he thinks his wife is behind because there's this crazy demon this soul sucker it's like whoa what's that gonna be and whenever it comes out that evil looking dragon it was like Holy shit, that's so cool. I think that's my least favorite part of the movie, though. Yeah. And is I- the soul sucker. And the, and the main reason for me is that I just really hate when movies do this where, because they tell you the story of the soul sucker and they're like, this took our entire civilization to beat this thing. Like we were on our, we were almost wiped out and then it was going to come to your world. But for, for centuries, we fought this thing off. We finally sealed it behind the wall. And then the soul sucker, of course, breaks out. And Shang Chi and his father defeated in like a minute, and like it just it really like they built this thing up, and then it really wasn't too hard of a fight. Like it was really just one punch with the rings, and that thing was gone. Yeah, I feel like even if they had just given us a little bit of an inclination or a hint that that thing was going to be introduced like earlier in the movie, like maybe his mother is telling him a story about it, that would have been interesting. I just thought while I think I liked the Soul Sucker a bit more than you did. It was just weird having Michelle Yeoh do so much exposition. Like they're literally walking along looking at like this model of like it's like a recreation of that battle they had originally. And it's just like, OK, this was not set up at all. Like I, I had no idea this was coming. And it's because they just never mentioned it. <laughs> so that was a little bit strange. But overall, um, we kind of talked about Talo and comparing it to other things. I thought it was really great looking. The visuals were stunning. I love the actual set piece of it. it's like this little village with this beautiful vista and then you have this great big lake and then you can actually see you can always see the gate that they're referencing so i thought it was set up super well that was cool yeah and talo's gorgeous and i also love that we do get to see like because they reference how like the mom like has her dragon and i like that we actually get yeah. to see that dragon and it's not like an american game of thrones dragon it's a traditional chinese dragon so cool it looked awesome when it was fighting the soul sucker um, I didn't expect we were getting that in this film, and, and that was a really cool moment for me when that thing popped out. Yeah, and it's also a simple thing to do, but I thought it was very beautiful to have, you know, Shang-Chi in the water, and then he kind of comes to, and he is met by this dragon, and they just soar out of the water, and he's riding this dragon that is like the symbol 
of his like of his mother and kind of her history and he's part of that now and then just the fact that they added the sister to that element of what as well so they're both riding this dragon having a great action sequence fighting people off and then fighting this evil soul sucker was just great it was just a really fun way to close out the mother's storyline i thought so we kind of talked about in addition to that whole dragon sequence which felt like this really cool surprise and something i wasn't expecting in a traditional mcu third act final battle type thing we also, of course, have the element of while this is all going on, this crazy fight, like the good and bad guys have to actually team up to take out these soul suckers. But meanwhile, Wen Wu is trying to break the gate down fully to save what he thinks will be his wife. So tons of kind of different stuff than you would expect in terms of planes of actions in the MCU third act. So we should probably talk about that as well, because that was pretty exciting. Yeah, really cool, like, planes of action, like you said, and, and a huge surprise, obviously, with the Soul Sucker. I didn't love how easy the Soul Sucker was to defeat. Right. While this was very different than anything we've seen on screen before in the MCU, overall, like, this this definitely was the moment, like I said, where I felt the Marvel formula. Like, as soon as we get into that final battle, like, you you know exactly what's coming. It's This is where Shang-Chi is going to get these rings. This is where he's going to save the day. So, like, I don't think the movie ended on like as much of a crescendo as the rest of the film was for me. Uh, like the third act is really fun, but th- it was definitely my least favorite portion of the movie. I definitely don't disagree. I just, again, it's another example of despite a lot of the same type, you know, feeling-esque moments, there were some little tweaks here and there that I thought was really cool. Because uh, we do, of course, get the clash between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu, where during the fight, it's like Shang-Chi for the first time, he's like, kind of taking some of the rings into his own hands and like changes colors which is super cool but then that leads into the final moment where he's like father what you're doing she's not back there she's dead you have a family that you need to help like he's not going to kill his dad he's going to try and get him to come back to him and then the soul sucker comes out when Wu saves his son he like like grabs him and dives out of the way and then he's of course grabbed and while it wasn't, you know, a super mind-blowing or, like, unexpected moment, I just thought it was such a beautiful twist to while Wen Wu's, like, his soul's being sucked out and he's being killed and he's looking at his son, it does, like, a reverse flashback where it shows, like, quick little clips of all the moments we saw earlier of Wen Wu and Shang-Chi going from, like, that current moment to their fight to the moment where he handed him the dagger and sent him on the mission to kill his mother's killer and then it, of course, culminates in... Wen Wu holding Shang-Chi as a baby, and then it cuts back to him smiling at his son as he dies, and then letting voluntarily the rings fall off of his arms and go on to Shang-Chi. It was like, I just thought it was such an easy moment to do, but oh, they yeah. knocked it out that of the park. that was an awesome moment. Oh, so good. Yeah, it was really great. And him handing him out, like him in a way giving his blessings for yeah. his son to take the rings, I thought was great. Yeah. Um, it's such a, a nitpick, but... And there's no other way to end this movie, of course, because it's Shang-Chi's origin story. So, of course, he's going to get the rings and save the day. It's just like it is predictable. And that's like, I think that's just an overall larger yeah. issue with origin movies is like at the end of the day, you know how they're going to end. And it's going to be with the main character becoming the superhero of the title name. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like you're going to know the ending of these films going into it. And so I don't, I don't know what the solve for that is because that's kind of the only way to do it. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it's also, this is like the 25th Marvel movie. So it's like, you know, while we kind of appreciated the differences in the formula here, there is still going to be things that feel in line with that formula. And it's going to stand out extra because we're so many movies in. But another great moment, kind of that being said, I loved whenever he uses the rings to hold on to his sister as he's about to fall off. And I was like, is the sister about to die in this movie? She's like, oh, I know. You have to let me go, Shang-Chi. You have to let me go. And he's like, I'm not doing that to you again. And he's like... Almost, in a way, I think, willing to not let her die for the sake of the soul sucker to win. And he just doesn't do it. And then, of course, Katie comes in clutch with the arrow, and then he's able to save his sister. And it's such a great one between them, because he's like, I'm not letting you go. I really thought she was going to die. So another great little surprise there. I was like, no, she's so great. Don't kill her. And they didn't, but it's still like a good moment. What do you think the future holds for Tao Lo? Is this going to become kind mm-hmm. of like... Wakanda, are they going to get their own embassy? Is the MCU going to like go here again? Like, is it a physical space that other Avengers are going to visit? What you got any theories there? I guess I would wonder, like, are there other places like Talo? Is like, is Talo its own plane of existence with other cities that you can access, or is it just like this one kind of spot with this one village? Because 
I feel like either way they could play around with that. I assume we'll see like Shang-Chi come back in the future. Maybe there's something threatening them again that becomes part of a sequel. I don't know. Maybe they have to bring in some other MCU characters in the future to help out. I'm not sure, but I do hope we see it again and like see other sides of it. That'd be super cool because I did appreciate the history. Like I said, I didn't love that it did feel like an exposition dump in the third act. But again, everything that they were saying and doing was cool. So I would like to see it explored more in the future. I would also love to see like the moment when Shang-Chi does bring another Avenger and like is explaining like kind of his home, his home base to them. Like, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. We got to get Rocket Raccoon in Talo. That's all I'm saying. We got to get him there. We got to see Rocket interact with these crazy looking uh, horse creatures, these weird fox creatures. And we have to get Bradley Cooper and the way Rocket Raccoon, he can only deliver, comment on how weird these animals look. We are going to get that $5 down right now. Rocket Raccoon will be in Talo sooner than we think. They wrote that joke before they wrote this movie. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> so with that, Austin, you know, we have hopes for Talo in the future. But now, before we close out, we have to talk about kind of our hopes for the future of Shang-Chi and the future of these characters and just how this new little world fits into the MCU as a whole. So, of course, after all this goes down and Shang-Chi is able to take the rings, he and Katie go back home and we see him trying to tell the story to their other friends. They're like, you're crazy. And they're interrupted by Wong coming back in and they need Shang-Chi and Katie because whenever he received the rings, it gave off the strange signal that's like thousands and thousands of years old and some alien origin, and of course they had to bring in the OGs, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, and Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, to kind of talk it over and see what's going on. And all we know is Mark Ruffalo says, welcome to the circus, because Shang-Chi and Katie will return as part of this greater Avengers-esque world, which is super cool. And they also show Shai Ling taking over for the Ten Rings, and we'll see them return as well. So that's how the movie ends, Austin. They're setting up stuff for the future. What was your takeaway? How'd you like these kind of ending scenes? And what are your thoughts? Where are we going to see them pop up next? It was fun to see Wong, like, kind of in the Nick Fury role. I kind of wish that had been where the movie left off, though, and they didn't give us that scene with Mark Ruffalo and Brie Larson involved. Yeah, I get that. I thought it was a great cut to credits. I think I actually did really end up liking that mid credit scene with Wong and... The Avengers coming in and talking again. It's not like it gave us too much. I was talking with you after the movie whenever they were like, wow, like, so how long did your father have these rings before you got them? And he's like a thousand years. And then Wong says, it looks like they're even older than that. And I was like, oh, is this going to set up that like the Eternals created these 10 rings and like that's going to play in to the Eternals movie? So I don't know. And they like said like, oh, actually, there's like a beacon that was set off into space. Like, who knows where it's going? The bell has been rung. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, Dark Side is coming. Zack Snyder and his cut for Shang-Chi 2 will happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it's like we didn't get a very clear idea of where we're going in the future, but I feel like that's kind of exciting, too. Just seeing them interact with these characters that we've known for years is always fun to see. We had questions of why is Mark Ruffalo not Smart Hulk? I know you thought that was weird, but... I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I think you are the only one I know that has the theory that he can only stay Smart Hulk like permanently now. Right. I, I didn't get that from Endgame, and I know you did. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Endgame in a while, but it seemed like after Infinity War, he was like, I made a deal with the Hulk. Like We kind of formed and we came together. It's like we live in harmony. The trade-off is I look like this, but I still have my brain and my smarts and I can communicate. So that's how I read it, but I guess you're right. They didn't. I don't think they said like he can't go back ever to being the human form. So maybe they'll address it in the future. Not sure. I do think you hit the nail on the head, though, with the Eternals, especially because his color scheme is the same colors that they've shown kind of in the trailer for the Eternals powers mm. for that movie. Yeah. So I, I do think that the that the rings is going to somehow just have a, a tie to the Eternals. Yeah, and I don't know if they would do it so soon, but I mean, if the rings do play a role, you could have Tony Leung pop up like near the end of Eternals to like connect the timelines be like he finds the rings or something like a thousand Ooh, cool. a thousand years ago which would maybe be at the end of the Eternals I'm not sure what do you think is the next project that we see Shang-Chi appear in or Katie because I did mention that theory that Katie is going to the Hawkeye show because she's an archer yeah we're gonna have all the archers all the archers um obviously they're gonna 
this movie is doing way better than they expected, it seems like, at the box office. So they're probably going to fast track a sequel, which is awesome. I definitely want to see more. But I think you're right. I think we will probably see these characters before a sequel. But I don't know where they would pop up. I mean, maybe it's an easy one to throw out there. I mean, that movie is already pretty stacked with Doctor Strange, too. I mean, there's so many actors coming back for that. But if you are playing around with, like, Wong and, like, kind of introducing him as more of a big role, maybe there's, like, a mid- or post-credit scene in Doctor Strange 2 where, like, you show him and Shang-Chi and Katie continuing some form of conversation. See, that was my thought before we got to that actual post-credit scene, is when the movie ends with Wong coming to grab Shang-Chi, I remember I turned to you and I was like, I wonder if Wong's coming from the Doctor Strange movie. Like, my theory was, like, maybe things get so dire in the Doctor Strange movie that Wong is like, shit, I got to go get somebody. Clearly that's not the case with the post credit scene. Yeah. I don't know. Like we don't have too many movies that we don't like know about, if that makes sense. Like Thor 4, Guardians 3, Eternals, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange 2. Like those are the big ones. Like the Captain Marvel sequel. I don't know if Shang-Chi would play a role in any of those. So it honestly, I think either way is going to be a surprise whenever we see him next. Maybe it's a Disney Plus show. I'm not sure, but I can't wait. My guess right now would be Doctor Strange 2 just based on the Wong connection. But I'm excited either way because I think it's going to be super fun to see not only the Rings origin, but like how they use this character in the future. It seems like he's already kind of like a honorary Avenger basically by having that conversation. So I'm sure whenever we do inevitably end up getting the huge team up Marvel movie in a few years, he'll be a big part of that. But until then, let's get as much Simi Liu and Aquafina as possible. I'm going to throw my guess out since I already think the Ten Rings is connected to the Eternals. I'm going to throw my guess out that we see him in the Eternals movie. Okay. I'd like that. I'd be down. I'd be down. Matt, before we go, I wanted to ask you, should we rank our top three Marvel origin movies. Ooh. All right. All right. So there are a bunch at this point. I think we're going to have two of the same is my guess, but I think the third one will be different. So I'm going to go. My number three is going to be Captain America, the first Avenger. As we know from doing our MCU phase one rewatch, I'm a big fan of that one. My number two would be the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, like I said, I was just so blown away. had such a great time. Loved the characters. Loved the world. Loved the action. My number one, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. What about yourself? Wow, the Incredible Hulk didn't make the cut. (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) Golly. Pretty good movie, though, right? Uh, Go back and check that episode out. You can hear my thoughts. (laughs) All right, awesome. What about you? How would you rank it? Yeah, for my three, I'll go number one, Guardians. Number two, Shang-Chi. And number three, the classic first Iron Man, oh. got to go RGJ, breaking into the box office as Tony Stark. No cocaine for him. He's sober, revitalizing his career. Got to keep that in there. <sighs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Can't fault you there. I mean, he was coming off his iconic performance in The Shaggy Dog, so Iron Man just came at the right time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of The Shaggy Dog, of course, it is time to give out our awards. Every single episode, we kind of think about what do we love most about the thing we just talked about and we give it an award so austin any ideas here what do you want to give the most praise to or i guess the least praise to in chung chi i'm gonna do something that i don't think we've ever done before for our awards but i'm gonna give an award to something we didn't get in this movie i'm gonna give the missed opportunity award and it is whenever katie and chung chi take that first car I thought for sure we were going to get a shot-for-shot recreation of the joyriding scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm really glad we didn't. (laughs) But you're right. You are right, though. It was a missed opportunity. I was convinced it was going to happen. It was a red car also. Gosh, they could have even done the music again. We know that Disney wants to put all that money into it. Missed opportunity. Have Matthew Broderick standing in the background as well reading a newspaper. Gosh, what a moment it could have been. Get the Darth Vader theme in a Marvel movie. They could do it. They could make it happen. So my award is going to be for the most desirable pet. And also, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's that the weird... Dragon? No. no. I mean, that, that's up there. That's up there. Don't get me wrong. But I think in real life, I would really love one of those, like, lions that are also kind of like a dog-like in features. They're not, like, huge. They're pretty big. And they're pretty lovable. They love to roll around, have a good time. But if anything gets crazy, they're ready to fight and literally rip apart a crazy soul-sucking demon. You know that that little like winged pig thing that was in the movie? Yeah. Very cute. Very Obviously cute. they wanted their porg moment. 
you know what I couldn't help but think the whole time? Because it has no facial features or any features of any kind. How does this thing fart? What's coming out of there? And where is it coming out? Ooh, I don't know. We'd have to ask Ben Kingsley since he lived in a locked room with it for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> they did not do a good job of explaining why he was locked in that room. <laughs> no, it was funny, but it was kind of stupid. <laughs> He's like, he likes my theater and my performances. <laughs> So goofy. Which is even weirder to think about that yeah. when Wu brings out this guy every night to perform for him. Yeah. Like while he eats dinner and studies his books about Tao Lo. Yeah, he murdered people. He murdered a lot of people for a lot less transgression. <laughs> so pretty surprising. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that so we continue to grow the show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next week talking about the first half of Marvel Season 1 of What If over on Disney+. And just a little bit of a tease, we talked about our franchise in review at the beginning. We will also soon be bringing back our full franchise review discussion with Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies, because we have to start building hype for No Way Home in December. All right. Well, and lastly, everybody, keep in mind we do want to hear from you. Message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts on Shang-Chi and give us your theories for the future of the MCU. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, guys, have a good week. Let us know your thoughts on Shang-Chi and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.